Hi, my name is Dunya and welcome to Global Majority Voices, a podcast by Equidem that is fundamentally grounded in the stories of the migrant workers that we speak with that have been exploited and faced abuse and are brave enough to speak out. They've trusted us to share their story and we want to make sure that we always do them justice. We recently sat down with Joffrey Otieno, our investigator in Kenya, who is truly the embodiment of Equidem. In 2018, Joffrey migrated to Qatar having found a job as a safety officer, but the reality he faced when he arrived was vastly different from what he was promised. He faced numerous violations while in Qatar and noticed his colleagues and so many around him were suffering the same fate. Back in Kenya, Joffrey had worked with unions and on advocacy and national campaigns on labour rights. With this background, he understood what was happening to him and those around him was wrong. But he also noticed that most migrant workers in Qatar didn't even know their basic rights, leaving them powerless in the hands of employers all too ready to exploit them. Joffrey found his calling, teaching others about their rights and advocating on behalf of other migrant workers. This was not an easy task, and he was punished for his advocacy, being arrested multiple times and deported back to Kenya. Now back in Kenya, Joffrey still fights for the rights of migrant workers with the unique perspective of having been in their shoes. Just a note, Joffrey mentions CID in the interview. That refers to the Criminal Investigation Department Authorities, a category of law enforcers in Qatar. I'd like to start by talking about your time in Qatar. What drew you there originally? No one wants to leave his own country to go and work in another country. But economic realities are the ones which push people to go away from their homes, go away from their families, go away from their loved ones, to go and look for better ways of providing for the families. So when I went, when I, I had of an opportunity to go and work in Qatar, I was very excited. And even though I was asked for, to pay for the recruitment, According to the offer which I was given, I saw that this is money I can raise within five, six months and give back and still enjoy the rest of my contract and have something to save. How much did you pay for your recruitment and what was the offer? As per the offer I got, I knew I'm going to get around 1,400 Qatar Rials. So from my own calculations, because I had paid for commission or recruitment fees totaling to 150,000. That's around 5,000 Qatar Rials. So I was looking at this salary, hoping that maybe I'll be able in five months to pay the 5,000 Rials loan I had taken. And what happened once you got to Qatar? So when I came to Qatar, the, 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 the reality now sank in. The next day I went to the HR's office, then I was given a paper to sign. They said it's the contract. Yet in Kenya, I had already signed a paper which was having an offer letter. What shocked me is that the offer letter's salary was totally different with what was on the contract. The offer letter I signed was 1,400. What was being given to me was 750. He was pushing me and forcing me to like sign the paper. And I was saying, I cannot sign this paper because first of all, I have to read and understand. Secondly, what I signed is different, and I have a copy is here. So why are you giving me something different? People are not used to people speaking up. So that is where things came up. Oh, this, this letter you signed is fake. Uh, what, is, why, what we are supposed to sign is this one. So I, I, I walked out on that office. Mm. 
I want to go back to before Qatar, because your previous experience is directly relevant to what later happened. You'd previously done some work on labor rights. So, looking at this contract that was vastly different from your offer letter, you understood that this was completely wrong and went as far as challenging your employer. But many of the people migrating to Qatar for work do not have knowledge of even their basic rights. In your experience, how big of an issue is this? For me, I think even it's not about even the law. But most workers don't even know even if that law exists. So the biggest challenge is awareness. Because I think between 70 to 80% of the problems are because of awareness. Somebody's in problem, she or he doesn't know what to do. And what were you doing there? I know that you were not able to do this freely and without pushback. Can you tell us about some of the more severe times you were punished for raising awareness and advocating on behalf of migrant workers? This was 2020. My company terminated me. What was the reason of termination? Advocacy. Because people started waking up, people rising up and people not living without getting their service. Because I told them, this is not a favor. You've worked for five, six years. Why would a company terminate you and tell you they'll not give you money? This is wrong. So I was like, you can't do this. But unfortunately, some workers were intimidated and they pointed out that I am the person who is giving them advice to go to the ministry because actually the company w w was living in the ministry because today a case, tomorrow a case. Today, so the HR was like going in and out the Ministry of Labor every day for cases of workers. And that was not happening before. So I, I saw my, my, my hard work of organizing these guys, telling them that this is your right, this is the law, because a lot of people don't know about the law. So a lot of people now came to understand that ah, there's somewhere I can go and complain. There's somewhere I can get justice. So this irritated the company so much. And they terminated me. But they made a mistake also in terminating me through their terminology which they had used on their, my, their, their termination letter. And that is what I used also in court to ask for my final dues and also to stop them from sending me back, because that was their aim, sending me back to my country. You mentioned that you were in court. What happened? I, I won, and they were told not to interfere with me. I can get employment anywhere else. They only accepted because of pressure from Equidem and organizations like ILO, because these guys had already started noticing my awareness, which I was creating on people. So from there, I think I became a marked man. Were you scared at all? And did you continue advocacy work and spreading awareness? I was worried. I was scared. I was very anxious because first thing, I was thinking about my family. Second, I was thinking about my personal safety. This made me change a lot of things. I changed where I socialize. I changed how I walk. I changed who, which people I was interacting with. I actually stopped for some time, but that, heart of humanity because people were calling, people were texting me. I had to read the calling. So I started again and that's how I found myself in another problem. What happened? This second one, I was arrested. A Qatari woman complained that I talked to her badly on phone. In fact, it was during the, 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 the height of COVID and at that time my country, there was total lockdown. So this lady called me crying. My employer is sending me back to Kenya. I can't do anything. It is a Thursday. You know, in Gulf, on Friday and Saturday, it's a weekend. 
I told him, now it's late. You've called me, it's Thursday evening. Even the embassy now is closed. The Ministry of Labor is now closed. How can I help you? Okay, fine, I don't fear going home, but where will I go? After landing in Nairobi, where will I go? Everywhere is locked down. My home area is in the far east of Kenya. So how will she pass these almost three cities to go to her hometown? Then I say, no, I can talk to this woman. Give me the contact of the, your sponsor. I called the lady, I'm so, I'm so. I was requesting, I don't dispute you sucking your employee because I cannot ask you not to, but can you please just be considerate? Even transfer her sponsorship to another person if you want. And if you don't want also, can you just keep her until they open up the country? Because this is a woman. She will go back to the country. If she's stranded, she might get into danger. The woman was so angry. Why would I call her like that? She threatened me to take me to the police, to report me to the police. They deported the lady the same day. So I thought this thing is over. So three months later, I hear the police knocking on my door, the CID actually, not police. They're hunting me down like a criminal, five CID officers. I was driven to the CID offices, grilled for over four hours for nothing. They, they are not even telling me my, my problem. They took off my phone, scrolling through my texts. This is a breach of privacy, for real. This is, this was like they were mining for, for, for information from, from my phone without authority. This was very wrong. After almost four to five hours of grilling, that's when they are telling me, oh, we see there's a case here, there's a woman who complained that you, you harassed her on phone. I said, I didn't harass anyone. Then that time they referred me to another police station. When I went there, I wrote my statement and what have you. Even the police officers were shocked. They said, what is this? This is nothing. So, but the back of my mind, I said, these guys were looking for something else, which they have not got. This was just a decoy of trying to, like, intimidate me or trying to look for something to tie me to. So I went to court on video and the judge dismissed the case. And after all of that, were you still able to carry on with your advocacy? I couldn't stop and see people suffering, so I still continued with my work. Then this final arrest again came. So I'm like, what is this? They scanned my ID. I told them I'm not a criminal, you can scan. We checked, no case. They're saying your issues in CID. So I'm like, what is in CID? When I went to CID, deportation center. You want to deport you. Fine, I said, okay, because at that time also I was so much stressed, I was tired. I was going to a lot of pressure. So I said, okay, fine. You want to deport me? No problem. But unfortunately, when I'm in the deportation center, every day hundreds of people are being sent. By the way, people are being deported like nothing. Every day hundreds. Bangladeshi nationals, Indian nationals, other nationalities, Pakistanis, so many. But African guys were not going home. Within two days, we had already organized ourselves, the African community inside the deportation center and said, we have to make noise for us to move. I got one guy there who had said for over a year, why would that deportation center hold you for all that long? It should be within 24 to 48 hours. So we had to make noise there. We, 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 we staged a strike. Because there, there are intervals when you are taken out to go and uh, 
enjoy the sun. When the break was finished, we already organized no going inside. If you don't go inside, the CCTV will check. They will come and ask, why are you not going inside? Break time is finished. That time we told them we are not going. We want to see the captain. You cannot see the captain. We told them, okay, fine, we will sit here until he comes. So that time the captain came with other officers, they tried to push us inside. Why you are making like this? I told him, we, we are not here to enjoy. If you brought us here, you brought us here because you want to send us home. So send us home. Other Kenyans, next day they went because of that pressure. But me still, nothing. I decided to stage a hunger strike. I stayed for three days. Then they came and suspiciously asked me, are you ready to go home? I told them, you brought me here. Why would you ask me I am ready to go home? I'm not contesting, I want to go home. That's how the next day I came back to my country. Mm. And as an investigator, do you feel that having gone through these experiences helps you connect with migrant workers on another level? Why do you think you've been so successful in your work? Because I am a migrant worker myself. I work with these people every day. We stay in the same accommodations. We, 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 we live the same conditions. I, I, I ride on these uh, company buses. So these are things which we discuss as if we are sharing experiences. Because you, you cannot be an investigator if you don't fit in that social circle. You have to be a worker if you want to be a, a, a good investigator and somebody who gets the correct information. You have to have experienced that moment. And in your view, what's the most important thing that needs to change that could have an immense impact on the lives of migrant workers? I think the migrant worker doesn't have a voice on the negotiating table. I think this is the gap that needs to be filled. The migrant worker doesn't have a, a seat at the negotiating table. Always when they're negotiating about these things, about labor migration generally, matters uh, touching on the migrant worker are not captured correctly. They either assume or they deliberately omit uh, those, uh, those concerns. That is the disconnect which is creating all these issues. And I'm curious, why do you think, personally, Equidem is an important player in the fight for labour rights? Equidem are coming directly to the person, to the migrant worker down there. My hopeful for the future is that I would really want uh, organisations which are championing for labour rights to kind of change their way of operation. Because I think things have changed a lot. I think they should radically change their way of operation and start from the bottom, from the end user who is the migrant worker. How I wish we would have like 10 or 20 more equidems because getting information for, from the ground is the key to winning this battle of labor right violation among workers. Because you will never get this from the top. Because even in a communication cycle, the more the communication goes up, the more it becomes distorted. But if you get it from the right person, you'll get the real thing. So my, 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 my observation is that in the near future, if we could get organizations which would work with the same modus operandi as Equidem, 
workers would benefit tremendously. You've been listening to Global Majority Voices, a podcast by Equidem, a global human rights organization that's rights holder centered and representative of the global majority. We center marginalized communities throughout our work, ensuring projects are not extractive and hiring people from communities with lived experience of the human rights abuses we're fighting against. Jason Nemirovsky, a researcher with Equidem, produced and edited this podcast. From myself and the Equidem team, thank you until next time.